Welcome to the Holy Smokes Podcast, a show about faith, friendship, fine tobacco and drink. I'm Steve Ryder in Colorado Springs for the 2022 Conclave. <laughs> and today is the first official day of the Conclave. We've had some pre-Conclave events on Wednesday and Thursday. And I was telling Megan and Etienne uh, that, it, that it's so exciting to have these pre-events. We have started really on a Wednesday night with our normal Wednesday night group. And then we had some stuff that yesterday during the day and in the evening and then now today. So there's going to be a distillery tour during the day for people that get a little bit early. And then tonight is the big kickoff at Paul's house. And I am at Derek's place in the lion's den <laughs> interviewing one of the guys that just flew in from Tampa. Brian Olson. Hey, Brian, Steve. one of the leaders of the Tampa area. Mm-hmm. Brian, thanks for being on. And, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to Colorado. Yeah, yeah, it's great to be here. You know, I've heard since the beginning of my uh, knowledge about Holy Smokes that uh, this is a place where it started and yeah. you guys rock it out here. So I had to come out and take notes. What, what, what are your initial thoughts coming out here? Awesome. Uh, you know, just a, such a great group of people, you know, that love one another and you know, enjoy having fellowship with each other and conversations and and uh, enjoying this fine tobacco that we that we love so much. <laughs> <laughs> so. so first question, what you smoking? I am smoking a Florida sun grown uh, cigar from uh, the tobacco is grown in Sanford, Florida. Mm. Which a lot of not a lot of people know about Florida yeah. sun grown. That there's even tobacco grown in Florida. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Jeff Borschwitz is the owner of that farm. Mm-hmm. And it's called 20 Acre Farm. Yeah. And uh, so we've uh, been to an event out at his ranch or his property, and we've got to see his field and how they age the tobacco. And so to have that so close to Tampa, you know, it's about a, not even an hour away from Tampa. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I brought these with me to give to some nice people. And you gave me one right here along yep, with two yep, others. Yep. See, and that's one of the best things about fellowship and oh. holy smokes is sharing it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Mm-hmm. I am smoking. It's the Jesuit, right? The yes. Jesuit? Yeah. Yeah. By Old Cathedral? Grand Cathedral. Grand, Grand Cathedral. Yeah, in Tampa, there's a uh, an old church built in the 1800s. I believe it was a Baptist church. And in the last couple of years, it was converted over to a cigar lounge and, you know, humidor and big, big, huge open outdoor patio. Yeah. You know, with a koi is, pond and everything. I mean, it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. yeah. This is a sweet tip, yeah. medium-bodied. Yeah. Uh, that's just, it is so yeah. Damn smooth. And I don't know. There's rumor that it's made by Atabay. Okay. Yeah, so have you ever had at Atabay? Yeah. Maybe see if you can pick up on some of those same notes. But uh, a lot of people love that cigar. It is. Oh, it's, and it's, Scott I, Smith gave me gave me this one. Yeah. And it yeah. is just, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. yeah. I'm loving this one. So when I'm out there in Tampa, I'm going to have to bring back a few for my humidor. Absolutely. And, and pace them out because this is I, I had some really good ones some really good house blends with uh i think it was the underground in fort worth and then the ash in dallas they had they had some really good house blends and yeah. i just finished all of those out and so uh yeah this is this is gonna be another one that some of these house blends i'm i might actually prefer them to the name brand ones it's actually one of those things that a house blend brings is you can really never find like the a description of what's in it yeah right yeah so you're smoking a cigar yeah, yeah. Uh, without that it's not yeah. a name brand and it kind of adds to the mysteriousness of it though. oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah this is good so you are not originally from the tampa area right i uh, grew up in new england in yeah. massachusetts and uh, moved down to florida in 1980 uh, my father was in real estate and was selling property for Florida uh, from New England. And uh, I was the last one at home. I have two older brothers and a sister, and they were already out of the house. And they asked me, you know, 13-year-old young man, if I wanted to move to Florida. And, uh, absolutely. <laughs> so I moved to Florida, and, uh, you know, I'm a big golfer, so Florida's uh, the best place to be as far as golf's concerned. So... Yeah, it's been a good good thing to move to Florida, and uh, 
So I've been been here. What's that? Forty two years in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of home did you grow up in? A very loving home. I mean, really? my mom and dad were outstanding. The way that they brought the four of us up and the moral values and the Christian background. You know, I, I listened to a lot of people talk about you know when they became a Christian, when they were saved. Uh, I don't have that story. Uh, I was at church on Sundays. I was involved in, you know, Bible studies then. And, you know, the things you do as you're, you know, uh, you know, through those elementary school years and that. And uh, I just never had the point where I had to, you know, confess my Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ because it was just an automatic for me. And I think that's kind of the way uh, we were brought up. And so I've always had that strong background, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, and then sometimes you're, you're a practicing Christian, sometimes you're not, meaning, you know, are you doing the things that you should be doing as a Christian or, or not? You know, so, you know, I think we all have a little bit of that. Your, your life gets busy and all these things, but he's always been there for me, never let me down. You know, when I look back at the challenging times when I thought things were just really tough, they weren't, you know, he already had a plan. So I've always had that solid, solid background of Christianity. Mm. And, uh, and I'm very happy for that. We never said, uh, I love you to each other in our home, which is an interesting contradiction. But at the same time, it was, it, uh, that was also an automatic you know what I mean? The, like the love was there, but we didn't mm -hmm. say it much. Mm -hmm. My dad died at 53 mm. of cancer. Um, How old were you? And I was 23. Yeah. And mm. that kind of changed a little bit, you know, with my dad being gone and with my mom taking care of herself. You know, then, yeah. then really started yeah. saying I love you more Yeah. to my mom, to my siblings, you know, and so I'm... You know, every every tragedy or every, you know, thing does have a, a counterbalance to it, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. But... Uh, what kind of kid were you growing up? I guess I have to say I'm just that status quo kind of guy. I mean, I follow that protocol of what I think everybody thinks life should be. Mm -hmm. I go right down the path. You know, I was a good kid. I was good in school. I didn't misbehave. I didn't do a lot of bad things. I'm not that I didn't do a bad thing, but you know, I always had this straight and narrow path. You know, come down here. You know, finish high school. You know, you go to college. You you find a wife. You have your kids. You have a dog. You know, you have a career. And and I guess so. My life's been very very organized by that plan always enjoyed sports okay you know the sports um my dad was an avid golfer dad uh went to rutgers uh university in new jersey mm -hmm. and played three sports for rutgers really football baseball and basketball what so he he was quite an athlete wow and so we grew up in massachusetts on the golf course you know so you know all summer long i, I wasn't out making trouble i was out practicing and playing or caddying and and the game of golf also encompasses that um that maturity mm -hmm. you know uh how to talk to adults how to communicate with adults the formality of how the golf the game of golf is the rules of the golf but also the etiquette of mm -hmm. golf uh adds to your personality so we grew around uh, the golf course and uh my mom and dad struggled a little bit, but mom would sometimes say, you know, we probably shouldn't have been members of the golf course, you know, with all the money that we spent for the family to be a member. And I go back to where that, that experience was priceless. Mm. You know, the way my two brothers and I, not as much my sister, she played a little bit, but uh, the, the way that we grew up uh, surrounded by the game of golf and sports, you know, developed, I, I think, a fine product. Mm. So and and then the the next element that I grew up with is uh, the work ethic. Mm -hmm. I, I literally I've been working since I was seven or eight years old. You know, 
whether it was you know mowing a lawn, raking leaves, shoveling snow. When I was 11 or 12, had a paper route. You know, at, at 13, was a dishwasher busboy at, mm-hmm. at a at a restaurant resort. So I've always worked uh, through high school down here in Florida. I had uh, a lawn business that I did 15 lawns every month in and month out. Plus, I worked another job at a grocery store. Plus, you know, all the sports. Uh, so I've always had a very, very, uh, you know, high work ethic. Mm-hmm. And that if you want something, you have to work for it to achieve it on the physical things, you know. <laughs> I never forget. I I wanted this ten speed bike, so I had had gone to the bike shop and I got the brochure and I hung the brochure up in my in my room and you know so I, I ended up making enough money to buy that bike, you know because that's how we were brought up. If you want something, you got to work for it and you can go buy what you want. Yeah. So I bought that and it's a great uh, ethic to grow up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, a lot of kids could use more of that today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having responsibility and uh, you know, and a completion. You know, being mm-hmm. able to accomplish things is important. Uh, so, so I was working at that uh, little restaurant. So I'd ride my bike there, and then one day it got stolen. So I was kind of mad about that. So I saved enough money, again, to buy another one identical to it with a lock. Hmm. <laughs> you know? So uh, no one's going to take away my achievement, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I worked hard for. And, and then going even into, you know, my marriage and my career, you know, working hard uh, to provide a good life for my family, for my daughters. Uh, so I was in the car business uh, for 33 years. Did you go to college or did you just go straight into yeah. sales? So I, um, when I went to I finished high school in Crystal River, Florida, and uh, decided to go to University of South Florida, mm-hmm. and I went for about a year and a half, and it, it was different. I, I was always a, you know a B plus student. Yeah, you know I consider myself fairly intelligent. But I just the college was just a totally different element for me. You know you. You didn't have those uh, the teachers that got on to you about what you were doing, what was you know you missed an assignment or where were you yesterday? You didn't make it to class. It was just so wide open, and I found mm-hmm. myself going into that abyss okay. and not getting the yeah. classes and not doing the. Yeah. And then I found myself for the first time uh, not having any money. Mm. You know, because I've always you know I had those fifteen lawns and. Plus another job, so I was always making money. Now I'm in college, and I've got you know no money, and I wasn't doing good in in, in the classes, and so I just had to go to work. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I became a, a stock manager for a grocery store. I was hoping to go to being a store manager. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Some of my crew were were not doing uh, the right things. Uh, Mm. I caught them uh, doing cocaine one night, and that kind of became all clear. And uh, the company did not let them go. And they moved me to another store, which was kind of strange. You know, why why am I getting punished for these guys? Well, it obviously had something to do with the store manager or something like that. So at that time, I had bought a new car, and uh, about a, two or three weeks later, I drove up north to my, my brother's wedding, and uh, I totaled the car up north. And uh, so I had to ride with mom and dad back to Florida. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to buy another car. Mm-hmm. So and while I was in there working on getting this other car is when... I saw maybe I could be a car salesman. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into the car business. And so I uh, moved up very, very quickly. I, I'd say, you told, you told me yeah. yesterday. Yeah, I was only a salesman for like eight months. And I was like salesman of the month, five out of the eight months. <laughs> so I did very well. And I was selling Mitsubishis, you know, which... Uh, what was the key in, in, in you excelling with sales? Um, at such a young age. Yeah, it, it goes back to that work ethic. It goes back to that um, growing up around the golf course, 
you know, I knew how to communicate with adults. And so I'm 21 year old young man, young kid, you know, greeting people that were there to buy a car and I could communicate with them well. Great car salesmen can, can make a really good living. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Not, not so much at a Mitsubishi store, yeah. you know, but I, I never worried about that. I just did the absolute best I could. And then when you're the best, then other opportunities come up, you know, and they did. I became a sales manager. I went into the finance department and did that at one of their other stores. And then got set back from that, got sent back to the Mitsubishi store, sold for three months, and then I became, uh, became a sales manager. So I'm 22 years old as a sales manager of mm-hmm. a store. And then something changed, a new GM came in, and that's one thing about the car business, a lot of transition. And I got an opportunity to go to this one dealership, a Chrysler Dodge Jeep store in a little town called Dade City, Florida. And it was a kind of a country town, very close-knit. Where in the state? Uh, it's just north of Tampa, about an hour. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In, in Pasco County, you know, not too far from the, on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being there for 23 years. It was an individually owned store. And the owner, uh, I worked with him really, really close and learned a lot about the car business. And, you know, grew under his prodigy, I guess. So then uh, he sold the store to United Auto Group, mm-hmm. and he was going to remain there for five years to run the store for United Auto Group. And about two years later, he's, you know, I'm, I can't do this. And so it became an opportunity for somebody to take that spot, and I got that spot. Nice. And so I ended up being the GM of the store, running the store. Uh, for seven years, and the face on the commercials, and and yeah. the voice on the radio yeah. ads, yeah, yeah. And so, you got a great voice, my man. I told, I told, I told you that when we met on Wednesday. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Your voice is the, just... the speaker voice. <laughs> I always say I've, I've never done karaoke, but if I ever do karaoke, it's got to be Barry White. Because <laughs> uh, I think I sing that pretty good in the shower, but. Uh, but yeah, so it's, so it's the work ethic. I always approached car sales with a respectful profession. Mm. I did not like hearing about those bad stories, stories of how people were treated. Yeah. So I, I went by this mantra. I never, ever wanted to sell anybody a car. I do not want to sell you a car. I want to help you buy a car. I'm, I'm there to help you. I'm there to find out what your needs are, what your wants are, what your budget is. But even budget's not even as important sometimes yeah. as the vehicle. Yeah. And then also overcoming the fear of making decision. Uh, human nature is, is, uh, makes it tough to make decisions, especially a car. I mean. Uh, some people make too much out of it because, you know, I mean, you, you could buy another one three years later. So, yeah. you know, what's the difference really if you find out later that, you know, maybe I didn't make the right decision. It's not the end of the world. Not, not as much as like buying a house or something mm-hmm. like that. But, uh, but I always wanted to, to help the people buy a car. Never thought it was a, a dirty word, uh, the word profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you're selling something, you're entitled to make a profit, uh, but you're not entitled to take advantage. Ooh, yeah. Not entitled yep. to take advantage. And so the way I sold cars, the way I managed deals as a sales manager and then as, as a dealer, how I taught my salespeople how to do the process was all about catering to the customer of what they were looking for and how we could help them. And so therefore I could keep my head high in in my Christian values as well as just my own mindset. And I think that gave me a good career. As someone who is on the inside of, was on the inside in the car dealership arena, mm-hmm. if a holy smoker is thinking, okay, I need to get a new vehicle, mm-hmm. they're, and they're looking to get a new vehicle, mm-hmm. what would you recommend that they, you know, things to watch out for from an insider perspective? Mm. 
you know, I would have to, same way as if I meted you on the lot, I'd have to ask you what, you know, the, the particulars of what you're looking to accomplish mm-hmm. and, and then help them down that path. Uh, you know, what, what dealership do you go to, what to look out for. Prices of new cars are relatively easy, you know, because there's a sticker price and there's a cost. Uh, you know, so you can you, you can pretty much judge that, and then there's incentives and all that. Um, so, but then there's the trade. You know, the trade is the key element in making a deal on a new car because that's going to be the variable that's unknown. Mm-hmm. Used cars uh, in the business, there's typically more profit made on used cars because there is no set price. So, a consumer's ability to know what they're buying or not buying is a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. So the trade-in, what I always advise is to use a source to find out your value of your car, even, even going to like a CarMax and getting a, getting a written estimate of what your car's worth before you go in to the dealership and start working your deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I would also have to, you know, give my advice on what product they're looking at and, you know, what's, what's good and what's bad. That type of thing. I, I told you, I'm, I'm I'm a Jeep guy now. I, I got a Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk, and uh, I I mean, for here in Colorado, getting up in the mountains, it's just oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I I'm a Jeep guy now, and yeah. I'm probably going to be a Jeep guy the rest of my life. My wife's on her third Jeep Grand Cherokee. Uh, you know, I was always loyal to the product. You know, even when I you know I had, you're a Charger guy. I, I had de- demos for years. Yeah, and I could drive whatever I want, but uh, then there were years you know where you had to own your own car. Yeah, even in a management perspective, but uh, yeah, I'm a Dodge Charger Scat Pack. You know, it's only 495 horsepower, but, <laughs> only, <laughs> uh, but it, it fits me to a T. You know, yeah. it's a four door, so you know when I when I'm in the car, if I I'm six seven, so when I look to the side, you know, I'm actually looking out the rear window. <laughs> um, you know, so it has plenty of room for for me to get yeah. you know get in and out, and it just fits me like a glove. Uh, yeah, uh, but the Jeeps, I love my my wife's Jeep Grand Cherokee too. Yeah, yeah, because we use that to tow. I got a, a trailer and things like that. So talk about your family. How'd you meet your wife? Oh, uh, I Who is uh, your wife. Yeah, I had been in a relationship for a while, and uh, from high school on, and. Uh, and then things didn't work out, and so I was kind of on my own for about a year or so. And I kept telling myself, I know that there's someone out there for me. You know, God, I, I know you have a plan for me. And, and I met that exact person from the day that I met her. I met her through somebody, somebody else that I had met, and it mm-hmm. was uh, that person's roommate. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at a, a, a reggae bar. Believe it or not, met this one girl at a reggae bar. She came and asked me to dance, and her her boyfriend was in the uh, in the band, you know. And I'm like, oh wait, wait. And she goes, no, 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 no. It's fine. He loves that I want to dance, and he's cool with it. I'm like, okay. Well, <laughs> after we danced and talked a while, she says, you have got to meet my roommate. And so, I don't know, a week or two later, I ended up back at the same place. And as soon as I walked in. Uh, she the came, roommate was there. Yeah, yeah, and got introduced to her, and and really we've been inseparable since. You know, I we didn't dance or anything, just had conversation. Then she had to go, and so I walked her out to her car, and I said, uh, "We're going to go out to dinner tomorrow night. Is that okay?" Car salesman <laughs> line, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So she gave me her number, and sure enough, we went to dinner that next night, and. It's uh, it's been uh, been married for thirty three years. Congratulations! Yeah, we uh, you got daughters. <clears throat> have two daughters, lovely daughters, thirty one and twenty nine. Had uh, just a great time raising them. When you have kids, it's it's like the whole perspective of life is finally real. You know of what we're here for in a certain mm-hmm. certain way we were just listening to a podcast out there about you know reproduction that we're instructed by god to reproduce mm-hmm. you know and in both ways not only reproduce by discipleship but also reproduce to bring more men and women into the world 
But uh, these two girls have been great. They never given us any, any trouble. You know, they struggle with their relationships a little bit, but uh, uh, but they've gone down kind of that same path too of you know school, college. Uh, profession. They're both in the uh, education field. Okay. Both have been teachers and have now moved on to more administrative roles, you know, as like coaches, mm-hmm. teachers, coaches. And uh, my oldest daughter has her second master's and then should be going for a doctorate afterwards. And mm. Chelsea's just finishing up her first master's and uh, she'll probably be getting her doctorate as well. So they're both doing great. Both mm. doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I worked a lot. You know, the car business is very demanding on your time. Probably on average, I probably worked 70 to 80 hours a week. Maybe sometimes having one day off a week. Sometimes I wouldn't even take that day off. But whenever I was off, it was all about the girls. We, you know, had the, the park memberships to go to Bush Gardens and SeaWorld and all these different places and we'd always try to take a trip somewhere every year and yeah. you know ha- have our fun times and uh, and even when, when when they were little we had a like a home daycare mm-hmm. uh, lady that took care of them so my wife would she was uh, working for a CPA office at the time and so she would go in early uh, so that she could get out of work at like two I would end up waking up the kids in the morning, getting them ready, bringing them to the daycare, and then I would go to work. And so there was, you know, a small time that we would be apart from them. And then if I got home at nine o'clock, uh, they were still up because mm-hmm. uh, I said, "No, you keep them up because I want to spend some time with them, and then they can go to bed afterwards." And then when they go to the daycare, if they have to sleep for three hours at daycare, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I want to see them and. Uh, yeah. So I tried to try to make all the time that I wasn't working special. Uh, you know, they'd come up to the dealership all the time and spend time with me there as well. And different events that I had, you know, they were involved with that. So I think I, I try to have a balance with that. Uh, but also knowing that, uh, you know, I was working to provide for them and, you know, for their quality of life as much as in my own. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you left the car business. I did recently. That's, uh, as I say, one of the best things that's happened uh, as a result of COVID. <laughs> Got furloughed when, when the shutdown happened. Yeah, in 2020, uh, they furloughed me in April. So I finished that 23-year period at that one store as a GM because the store got sold. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so I worked for that, that owner for a couple years and then opened up another store. And then from then on, I was like two years here, two years here, two years, you know, typical to the mm-hmm. car business. Yeah. So I was very spoiled of that 23-year thing. Yeah. So I'm at this final store, and I'm just a sales manager, which was fine with me. You know, I'd had my responsibility period. I'm, I'm good with not being a GM anymore. I just, just want to sell cars, meaning, you know, managing the car sales and the salespeople and training. Yeah. And so... so uh, when they needed to furlough somebody, I had only been there nine months. So they chose me, and I was more than happy to be furloughed because that was the beginning of wearing a mask, you know, every minute you were there. And, uh, you know, putting covers over the car seats and covers over the steering wheel whenever you had to appraise a car. And uh, it was just a nightmare. And so they furloughed me. I took a month off, which was great, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they were so busy, they brought me back, worked that May in the month of May, uh, which business was just incredible, you know, being in the middle of the pandemic or at the very beginning of it, I should say. And uh, it was just busy, but the owners were still and the management were still worried about maybe, you know, things shutting down. So they were trying to move people into other positions to try to stretch Mm -hmm. us out. And uh, they, well, they didn't offer to me. They were telling me that I had to do this, uh, you know, selling cars out of the service drive. Mm-hmm. Every customer that brought their car in, uh, I was going to appraise their car, mm-hmm. even though they didn't ask for it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing that. That's not, it's not ethical to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they said, well, we'll let you go. So they let me go, and, and, uh, and so I decided to retire. 
You know, 33 years is a long time, a lot of hours. My wife has her own business. She's, okay. she's an accountant. And so she's worked out of the home since the kids were small. Uh, you know, so back then she was involved in there, you know, in the schools, homeroom mom, you know, PTA, all that stuff. And so now with the girls gone, you know, her business is, you know, booming and, you know, as far as accounting can go, I guess. And she's got a good group of clients that she works for. And uh, so, so I'm able to retire. Uh, retirement has this one issue for me. Most people say, all right, you need to have X number of dollars to retire. Okay. So whatever that number is for you, mm-hmm. here's how much I have to have in assets or whatever and mm-hmm. in money to retire. You know, so, all right, I need, I need $2 million to retire. All right. So that means that I need to work till I'm 64. If I work till I'm, you know, another eight years, then I can retire. And then you die at 61. How much did you need? Mm-hmm. Or 64, you work all the way to 64 and you die when you're 67. You know, how much money did you need? That's the, the X factor of not knowing what your plan is mm-hmm. uh, bothers me. And so, uh, so I decided to retire um, not overly wealthy, you know, that somebody might think that when they see me and say, you know, why, why is this guy retired? You know, I am only 57. Mm-hmm. It's just my perspective. You know, when your dad died at 53, you know, and didn't have a whole lot then, you know, I, I just want to enjoy life more. And uh, I guess use use whatever time I have to growing relationships with people. And that's where the, the last two years with the group of Holy Smokes mm. has been transforming. It's rededicated my faith. Mm. Like I said, I, ne- I never thought of the day of when I became a Christian. I've just always been a Christian, always believed. Uh, when my wife and I got married, I did a discipleship program with a man out of the church, and that was great. And I re reconfirmed, you know, my belief in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then now, you know, after all these years of a career, uh, have that same point in time where it's it's a refocus, a redirection on what my life's really about. Mm-hmm. So growing this group in Tampa, I, I got to step back and tell you the story of how I found out about Holy Smokes because I, I mm-hmm. just love it. So I'm retired. What am I doing? I'm playing golf, mm-hmm. I'm smoking cigars, sleeping 10, 12 hours a day. Mm. You know, I, I, I used to get six hours a day and that's all I needed. Now I can, I can sleep like a baby. It's the stress. I have no, yeah. no stress. Yeah. And uh, so, so you're, you know, you're smoking cigars, playing golf. So we have a new Cigar International that they built in Wesley Chapel, kind of on the north side of Tampa. And so I'm sitting there one afternoon in this seat by myself and this group of guys come in and they ask, you know, can I, can we sit next to you? Sure. Yeah, no problem. And, uh, the one person that was sitting right next to me was Scott Smith. And so Scott, anybody knows Scott, Scott's, uh, faith is incredibly strong mm-hmm. and his, uh, desire to disciple people and bring people to Jesus is one of the strongest I've ever uh, been around. Mm -hmm. And so he turned to me and said, where do you go to church? (laughs) And I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of forward. But like I said, that's, that's Scott Smith. Totally. And so Scott asked me that and I kind of, it kind of shook me for a second. I said, uh, in fact, I struggled with the name of my church. I couldn't remember. And I finally came up with it. Oh, St. James. Well, why do you ask? And he said, well, we're all members of a group called Holy Smokes. And when he said that, that just blew me away. Because I've been smoking for 25, 30 years, smoking cigars. As I said, a Christian my whole life. Mm -hmm. But I never, ever put the two together. I never thought they could combine. Yeah. 
I never thought that smoking a cigar with somebody was a platform to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Being in a cigar lounge and having a drink and smoking a cigar didn't have any any similarity to church and your Christian belief at all. And so when he told me about this group called Holy Smokes, I was blown away and became a member real quick. And uh, it's been an incredible, it's maybe just short of two years, but it's been an incredible two years. Mm-hmm. Can I say the best two years of my life? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Wow. Um, so we've grown our group from 25 to 250, I guess it is now, or 58. Yeah, it's, and, it's, 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 it's a chapter that Kay and I are really impressed with. And Kay's been down to the Palm Clave. You guys have an annual get-together yeah, yeah. called the Palm Clave. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's been a blast because I'm, I'm an organizer. I'm a people person. Yeah, I, I like to, to do events. Uh, when I do something, I'm all in, mm-hmm. you know, and and I love organizing and all that. And uh, the people that I've met along the way from around the around the country, uh, Rod B. Jones being one of them, uh, meeting Kay and having a chance to sit down with him and have a one-on-one with him, uh, Buzz, you know, I can go on and on with the number of people, Derek. You know, right mm-hmm. now I'm sitting in the lion's den at Derek's house, and that came about by meeting him one time yeah. in Orlando. Bought him a cigar. And he thought that was cool, and he's like t- telling Scott and I, "You guys have got to come out. In fact, if you guys come out, just just come and stay in my home." That's awesome. You know, that's and, awesome. You know, and here I am at his, at his home after meeting him one time, one day, and look look at the fellowship we've already gained and. That's, and and the, the relationships is going to go on from that's, there. That's just the beauty of yeah. Holy Smokes, or yeah. just the relationships that I mean, just one time. And and it's really the ethos of the entire group is just we're cut from really kind of the same cloth. Yeah, yeah. Most of us in in the group, where it's just like you connect, and it's like, all right, we're now lifelong bros. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the common element being a cigar. Yeah. When you have that passion for cigar and you're able to have that conversation uh, and that open vulnerability with one another as men uh, and even the women that we've had, you know, in, in our groups, mm-hmm. you know, having, having open conversations and, and not feeling like you can't say anything. I mean, we can, we can talk about anything yeah. with each other because every one of us have struggles. Yeah. Every one of us have our life story. We are all different in where our walk is, where our faith is you know, what our life holds for us, mm-hmm. what our challenges are. And to be able to come together individually and talk with one another and help each other, mm-hmm. you know, from a standpoint of love and faith and, and having that common element of God and, and our faith. I don't even know where it can end because it's never going to end. It's just going to keep growing and growing. And so, yeah, it's been a great, great two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Olson, let's get to rapid fire questions. Oh. <laughs> rapid fire. Fire. Here. How's that stick treating you? Let me get it lit again. You got me talking so much, I can't keep my cigar going. <laughs> Which is the story of most people on the podcast. Yeah, it yeah. was on mine too. I, I, I mentioned it on on another on a few other podcasts that I, I was like, I am going to keep my cigar lit. I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to have a nice conversation. And keep nope, <laughs> nope. Once once you got me going, once Kay and Carl got me going, it was like mine was out. Uh-huh. I barely touched mine. <laughs> When did you first try cigars or pipe? <laughs> so my, my dad, uh, you know, if you, you didn't get in my story earlier, uh, that, that I, I loved my dad. Mm-hmm. I looked up to my dad very much. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he, he smoked cigars and pipes and cigarettes too, you know, camel, unfiltered and but uh, I always loved watching him smoke a cigar or a pipe, you know, and the fragrance and, 
you know, you know, that's, that's was just dad, mm-hmm. you know, and he'd, you know, smoke on the golf course and, you know, he'd even have a lit cigar smoking it while he putts. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you ever <laughs> putt when you have a cigar in your mouth and your head's facing down and you're putting the ball and the smoke is getting in your eyes and your mouth is starting to drool and the <laughs> drool is going down the cigar, you know, hit the putt already, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I so yeah, I, I loved watching my dad smoke cigars. Uh, so I, th- I think probably at seven or eight years old, I think I rolled up a, a newspaper and was out in the woods and lit, lit the end of the newspaper and acted like I was smoking a cigar. <laughs> That's and, a first. And, 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 I believe, and I believe it is the, the, was the beginning of my conservative uh, political background because it was the Boston Globe and not the Patriot Ledger. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I guess, uh, but probably cigars themselves, probably kind of coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so probably around 23 or so. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm 57 now, so that's like 34 years I've been smoking. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not as much as I do now back then, maybe yeah. it was, you know, yeah. one a month, maybe yeah. went a little bit more than that at some other times. Uh, but now, now where I'm at now is I've, I've smoked a lot of cigars. I smoke every single brand. I smoke every single cigar. I have books and books and books of labels, you know, by brand so I can look at CAO and see every CAO I smoked, every uh, AJ Fernandez, every Aganorsa, you know, I have the labels all in order. And then the Cigar Aficionado magazine, a friend of mine in 07 brought me this poster and it had the, you know, the top 50 cigars rated by Cigar Aficionado. And I said, well, it'd be, be fun to see if I can even get these 50. And within three weeks, three or four weeks, I had all 50 of them, even including some Cubans yeah. that I ordered through uh, Switzerland. So I had all the cigars, and then and I ended up smoking all 50. And then the following year, 08, I noticed it was a top 25, which they had a top 25 in 07 too, but... I went by this top 50. So I started doing the top 25 in 08. And I've done the top 25 every single year since 08. Uh, and I'm down to having every single one of those cigars except for three. So that's, uh, so I smoke a lot of cigars. Um, I'm full body, medium and full body uh, cigar. And uh, I love trying everything, you know. And I love e- educating others as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, about my knowledge about cigars and and the you know the beauty of it. You ever do pipe? I, I do occasionally. Okay. I just find that more tasking, you know, uh, you know to to pack and and smoke it, you know. But occasionally I will. Uh, that brings back again the memory of dad a little bit, you know. So yeah, I got a couple pipes. Most expensive cigar you've ever smoked? Probably the. Uh, the cigar that I just bought, uh, probably fifty dollars, uh, was um, there's a new cigar called the the Seven. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. So e- either that or an Opus, yeah, you know, might be the most expensive. Yeah, I don't mind smoking an Opus, but it doesn't really blow me away i'd rather smoke i've, I've I'd probably rather smoke three twenty dollar cigars uh, <laughs> than smoking that one <laughs> you know i've mentioned this on a couple podcasts i think in the past um but there's really a, almost a law of diminishing returns the more expensive a cigar gets yeah often i'm, I'm like yeah you're smoking really the brand and the marketing for mm-hmm. that brand rather than the true. actual true true I won't either take that away from them. I'll still buy that cigar. I'll still smoke that cigar. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that yeah. I know what, what it is. Yeah. But there's so many good cigars Yeah, in that 15 to 25 range. Um, I don't worry about price. So I'm not usually attracted to the $5, yeah. $8 stick. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll smoke them too. But yeah. that's not going to be my go-to. It's probably more in the $15 to $20 range. And, um, 
So I smoke a lot. Smoke a lot what, of cigars. What's the best dollar for dollar cigar that you smoke? Well, one of the cigars in my top twenty five is the Amazon Basin. Okay. You know, and that's you know, like a at at the time when they first came out, uh, you know, twelve dollar stick. And that cigar was is just phenomenal. Mm. I mean, it's like no other cigar you've ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, it just has that different taste to it, and then it's not expensive, and so it's just a great brand. My number one cigar is La Gloria Cubana Series R Limitada, you know, which is a seven inch by sixty four gauge, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, Dominican. Yeah, and it's uh, it's medium body, smokes pure all the way through. Mm-hmm. doesn't change very consistent and uh so that's that's my number one cigar if anybody asks me that mm. um where's your go-to place to get your smokes uh i i go all over yeah i go all over you got lots of places down there you got a cigar yeah you got all those little mom and pop shops yes in, in yes. ebor yes ebor city which yes. i freaking i've been down there once and i loved yeah it Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I I I, I think it's important to uh, to support the stores, and so I love going to different cigar places and uh, grabbing you know getting the experience because every, everyone is so different. Yeah, you meet different people there, and but yeah, we're spoiled in Florida to have the number of places that we can go to. You know, Scott and I we do road trips where you know we take a day and we go to Brandon, we hit all, you know, three or four cigar stores and we've been over to the West coast and hit four different smoke ins over there. And we've been starting to go to the smoke events, you know, nice. The barn smoker with, uh, uh Florida sun grown, uh, was a great event and with, uh, drew estate, mm. you know, so we're starting to go to some of these cigar events as well. And that's a lot of fun mm. getting to smoke different cigars from the different brands. What's your favorite liquid pairing with your smoke? Uh, my number one is a Yangling. I'm a Yangling amber lager beer guy. So, and Yangling is the oldest beer in in the country. Really, started out of Pennsylvania. Really, yep. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, and and also have a brewery in Tampa. So yeah, Yangling is my number one pairing. <laughs> I, I drink I drink some scotch and some bourbons uh, occasionally. You're a beer uh, guy, though. Yeah, but I'm a beer guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the most interesting person you've ever met through cigars? There could be probably you know five or ten different answers there. Mm. Obviously, Scott. You know, meeting him through Holy Smokes and and uh, the relationship that we have. Uh, you know, being able to meet Kay was a special thing for me. Uh, Rod, out of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to know each other really quick and done some things. You know, I'm a Bucks fan. He's a Cowboys fan. So, you know, we've been bantering back and forth. He came to the game <laughs> last year with me, and I'm going to go to the game this year with him. And, uh, you know, learned about him and his mission uh, with Replenish. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so those, those would be three of them. Mm-hmm. Not to leave anybody else out because there's not anybody that I haven't met through a cigar that I wouldn't discount mm-hmm. uh, their person or their, you know, who they are. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Best place you've ever smoked? Best place. When I was doing the top 25 in 07, my number one cigar out of that grouping, that, that top 50, I'm sorry, the top 50 was the uh, uh, Grey Cliff mm-hmm. Grand Cru. It was the only one entered in that top 50 from yeah. the Bahamas. Yeah. And I smoked that cigar at nighttime out yeah. on the beach yeah. in Anna Maria. And... So I love the beach just as much at nighttime as I do the daytime. Ooh, yeah. And just sitting, relaxing, hearing the waves crash, yeah. the sky is up above, and smoking that cigar uh, made me enjoy that cigar better than I probably would have in a, in a, a cigar location. Um, so that, that could be one. It's not a cigar place, yeah. but it's where 
a lot of my memories of smoking cigars would be out on that beach. Grand Cathedral, we've, you know, brought up. Scott and I kind of had a little bit of an issue first going to Grand Cathedral, you know, uh, smoking, having alcohol in a church, mm-hmm. as it was. Yeah. You know, is that okay? But we kind of finally realized that whenever I'm there, I, I feel a spirit there. I feel the Holy Spirit there working within those walls still. Ooh, yeah, that's good. You know, yeah. so. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there's, you know, many, I've been to a lot of little cigar shops that uh, I've had just such great times. But it's not necessarily always about the place, but it is also about who you're with. Mm-hmm. Marvel or DC or neither? Marvel? Superheroes. Marvel oh. or DC? No, not not, not no. even interested in either. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Not either. Favorite food? Favorite food? Uh, ribeye. Sports teams? Obviously the Bucks. Bucks number one. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, but I no, grew up. No, 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 you know, affinity for for the Boston teams growing up there. You know, so yeah, I, I grew up there. I was a Celtics fan because I was a basketball player and and Red Sox, and I was never really a Patriots fan for some reason. Yeah. Uh, their their stadium was way far away out in the middle of nowhere, and yeah. we didn't we didn't have the, the the funds really to go to a lot of football games back then. So I never really became a fan there. It wasn't until I. Yeah. You know, moved down here to Florida. And they weren't I, really good. They, yeah, they weren't at that time. I mean, they they they, they yeah. made the Super Bowl in '85, but got crushed by by the Bears. Right, right. And you know, in the Bucks, you know, my first you know ten years with the Bucks, you know, they were they were terrible. So, but uh, I, I like being a fan of our local teams. So I'm going to support the local teams. Is nice. you know, so like even if a lot of people say, "Well, you mean you mean if you move to Tennessee, you become a Titan fan?" I, I, yeah, I would. Yeah, you know, because I think it's important to support your local yeah. team. Dogs, cats, neither or both. Uh, I've had uh, four collies growing up: two in my you know childhood years, and then two in my own family. So I absolutely love a dog, a big dog, not little dogs. Don't like the little dogs. I want if I'm going to walk a dog, I want to walk a dog. You know, uh, you know, uh, a collie, a lab, you know, a, a maybe a, a shepherd. You know, but uh, the the last collie that I had, that's I think he passed away maybe 15 years ago. So I haven't had a dog in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was never a cat person before, but we have cats, and uh, so I'm kind of kind of turned to a little bit of a cat guy. You know, without I mean, I've being got in, both. I've without got both being embarrassed about that. No, I've, I've got both, and you get a good cat. Yeah, yeah, a really good cat that just yeah. curls up on your lap and is yeah. purring away, yep. and it's just like yep. it's it's. Dogs are great. I love dogs. Yeah, they're they're so loyal. They're so loving. But a cat is like a, a good cat. Yeah, yeah. I, I have one of those right now. Bella's awesome. Bella's. Uh, she's missing me right now, and you know. But when I get home, she'll be turning turning away because she'll be trying to tell me <laughs> that she's mad at me. You know, for not being around. <laughs> Cats have those temper- temperaments. You know. Nickname growing up. Nickname. Did you have one? Not really. I mean, I, I had one uh, in ninth grade in, in basketball. They started calling me Merlin. There's a Merlin Olsen that mm-hmm. uh, was a football player, mm-hmm. you know, so this is basketball, but they started calling me Merlin. Yeah. Um, nothing, nothing really st- stuck as far as a nickname, you know. Are you a reader? No, unfortunately. Okay. It's uh, and I, you know, I, I wish I wasn't like that, uh, but I am. I mean, I get you know recommendations to read books all the time, and I just, uh, just I can't focus to it, you know. All right, final three questions. All right, we've talked a little bit about it, but what does Holy Smokes mean to you, and how has it contributed to your spiritual journey? Yeah, to to summarize what we've already what we've already said. Holy Smokes does mean this new rebirth mm. in in my walk mm. with Christ. Yeah. In refocus, rededication, you know, helping and stewarding and 
discipling, yep. you know, in, in my career in the car business, I, I, I did consider my position as a GM o- almost a, a missionary role. I mean, yeah. I would have to advise employees all the time about different, uh, you know, life things, you know, and have to be there to support them. And so I was always that way. My door was always open uh, for communication. And so meeting this group of holy smokes, I'm going to dive a little bit into replenish mm-hmm. with Rod. Rod had me go to a couple of his retreats or mm-hmm. events, and which kind of blew me away that he would want a guy that's not in ministry at all be be a part of a group that are all pastors. Mm-hmm. And he says, just your personality, your your loving, giving. Uh, you know, you you want to hear what they have to say you know, in their story and be part of it. And I'm a good hostess, like putting on events and things like that. I'm, I enjoy that a lot. Uh, so well, through the way that, that the Tampa group has grown and just flourished with you and Scott, mm-hmm. really yeah. the two that are the two big ones that are leading the charge on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, you guys are doing some awesome stuff down there. Yeah. Yeah. We're organizing, you know, I, I guess not every Holy Smokes club does meets every single week. Yeah. You no. Know? But we have an event going somewhere, you know, every single week. You know, we have our, our home headquarters, you can call it, you know, at Cigar International. But, you know, we, we like to mix it up and meet over here, meet over here. So growing it doesn't necessarily just mean about the numbers, but bringing in really, really good quality people that can grow the group spiritually as well as numbers. Yeah. You know, that's that's important. Uh, Scott and I talk all the time about keeping and putting the holy in holy smokes. You know, it it can't turn into just a smoking club. Mm-hmm. If you want to be in a smoking club, there's plenty of them out there. You know, but we we want to be intentional about our mission. Right? Yeah. Our mission is to have that fellowship with one another, to grow this base, base to be part of one of uh, each other's life. If you could have a holy smoke with any three people throughout history, living or deceased, who would they be? Can't name Jesus. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> um, so the number one would be my dad. Ooh. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, yeah, my dad dying at fifty-three. I was twenty-three, yeah. and uh, my dad didn't drink for the last ten years of his life. So I never drank a drink. Uh, or smoked a cigar with my dad. So if I had that one person, uh, that yeah. would be him. Yeah. Anybody else in history? Sit down with Winston Churchill. Yeah. That would probably be one. And uh, I would probably have to say Michael Jordan. How cool would that be to sit and have some time to talk about Michael Jordan and hear his stories? You got to talk to Tom. Okay. Cacadellis. Okay. He sat down with Jordan for two and a half hours at one of his lounges. Unbelievable. And, and just had this great conversation with Mike. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that would be cool. So <laughs> you got you to talk about that conversation. All right. Last question. If we were to meet one year from today mm-hmm. and I got a bottle of, or a can of that yingling. Yes. I got a can of yingling. Uh-huh. What are we celebrating? Hopefully in a year from now. I can be celebrating an even stronger faith than what I even have now because mm. I'm really, really enjoying strengthening my faith and my relationship with God and with Jesus Christ to a deeper level. And so kind of back to your other question too, I don't read enough. That's one of my goals is to start reading some of these just great, great books mm. to Hmm. to help me in, in, in that deeper relationship with God. Have you tried audiobooks? And, and that could be part of that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I get, I read, my mom was a librarian growing up. Mm-hmm. And the, I've said this on the podcast a number of times, but the one, we were really working class family. And the one, th- I couldn't always get the biggest toys and the latest fashions, mm-hmm. but the one thing I could always get from my mom was books. Yeah. When the weekly reader came in, I, I give my list of books that I wanted and I got most of them, if not all of them. Oh. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm a reader. I love reading. 
But since Elizabeth's died, I've shifted more towards audiobooks. But the one thing that I have done is get an audiobook and the physical book or the electronic version. Mm-hmm. And then I'll listen to it and read along with it. And the retention mm-hmm. level has gone up significantly when I do that for certain books. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I recommend really give, giving that yeah, a try. Yeah, I definitely will. Uh, because uh, lis- listening, I, I can I can listen yeah. better than I can read. Yeah. Because when I'm reading, I find my mind wander. Yeah. yeah. And so I find myself uh, three pages later, like, yeah. what did I just read? Yeah. I have no idea. You know, because yeah. I'm just kind of just scrolling through it. So, listening, I'm 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 I think I'm a good listener. So that would probably work, <laughs> work better. <laughs> Brian Olson from Holy Smokes Tampa. Yeah. My man. Thanks for being on the Holy Smokes podcast. Thanks, Dude, thanks it's so good to meet you in person, bro. Yeah, we got to meet each other out Dude. here, right? Oh, I mean, I've been following you and your story uh, for a while now, too. So yeah. God bless you. And Thank you, bro. Thanks, thanks for having me on uh, this podcast. Hey, everyone. I wanted to announce that we have Holy Smokes gear. That's right. We have swag. We currently have hats, shirts, stickers, like for your vehicle or your travel humidor, magnets, even branded bourbon glasses for a limited time. Go to holysmokes.club and click on the shop tab. That's holysmokes.club. I'm super proud of the shirts. They're made with Bella Canvas shirts that are soft and incredibly comfortable. The hats fit wonderfully, which can be a problem for those of us with big noggins. We plan on having a lot more to offer, like Guayabara shirts, additional t-shirt designs, beanies, polos, hoodies, cigar accessories, and much more. Check it out. And even if you don't make a purchase now, be sure to sign up for that email list, as I've thrown a couple big discount coupon codes for those exclusively on that list. So click the shop tab at holysmokes.club. Thanks. Thanks.